0: This podcast has gone through a lot of changes. It really has. And I've always tried to really shape this podcast around just things that I was really interested in the moment because I think that would give the most value to you and your investing journey. You know, when we were first in this podcast, we were talking a lot about day trading. You know, I was really into forex, really into trading currencies and indexes. And then in the past year or so, you can see I've really been into stocks, Um, just been investing in stocks and it's been great, been up 60% this year. And of course, if you've been investing in the market as well, you know, it's been an insane market. Uh, We've had some great picks and some great stock recommendations. And honestly, a lot of people have done well especially really well considering this is called an educated investor. I mean, I'm supposed to be giving you the most terrible advice to blow up your portfolios and stuff. And basically just giving you the basic advice, what that any investor could really benefit from, Uh, you know, a good mix of both of those, but all in all, 2020 has been good to the investing world. Now it seems like we're entering a different phase. You know, I'm still in my late twenties and It's around that time where with the market a little depressed, interest rates a little low, and me wanting to diversify those stock earnings profits, I think it's time. It's buying a house time. And just like that newborn child, I think buying a house is one of those firsts you truly don't forget. Like that grade six year old girl that you lost your first kiss to kind of sounds creepy when you think about reminisce back to that you're like i kissed a grade six like lock me up jesus um but all in all buying a house is one of those things that you never forget and going through that process right now and kind of you know taking a little step back out of the investing world i have to say if you have not bought your first house before there are a couple of surprises right off the bat that I think every new investor should at least be aware about, and me going through the process now, I can share those with you. Hi, this is Fly Stu. This is Uneducated Investor Podcast, the podcast where we connect investing and pop culture to business. Feel free to leave a five-star review on the iTunes Apple Store, because that is how we grow. And of course, make sure to add us to your favorite podcast and download the three most recent episodes on all your streaming platforms, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, etc. One of the first housing surprises isn't really a surprise if you've really done your research, right? Like I find going into housing, like I've done a ton of research. Um, so the first one you can really find off Google, and I would say the 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 surprise is there is so much extra fees. Right, There is so much extra fees when it comes to buying a house. You see, just straight head math, just straight off the top of your head, when you think about buying a house, you're like, hmm, if I put 5% down on this house, right? So let's say you have a million-dollar home, 5% down is 50 grand. And then the housing market grows 5% in the next year. Well, your house is now, instead of worth a million dollars, worth $1.1 million. Or sorry, sorry, 1.1. It's worth a million dollars and $50,000. All of a sudden, your $50,000 investment is now worth $100,000. That's a very simplistic view of housing, but this is a view that gives you how houses would appreciate if you were in a vacuum, if you were in a world with no fees, no real estate fees or any of those natures. But understand, we don't live in that world. So let me tell you about some of the fees that you would counter. So of course, as I mentioned before, you have the real estate fees that goes to the buyers, real estate agents, and the sellers. So you know, no big deal. Then you have this thing called like land transfer tax, just a tax for literally getting a piece of that property. Essentially the city government, they just want a piece of the cut too. So that's can run you anywhere from two to like f- 4% in some markets, which is just, that's a laugh, honestly. And then you've got the lawyer's fees, you got the home inspection fees, then you got, um, you got like all these crazy fees, like title insurance, like what, why do I need insurance for the title? Why am I paying for that? Isn't that included with the house? Um, yeah, honestly, there's just fees absolutely galore. So it's one of those things where, yeah, if your down payment's 5%, 10%, make sure you keep on some extra money for the fees. Number two thing that really surprised me was the deposit offer. Now, hopefully, none of you guys are in a situation where you in a competitive market, because <laughs> boy oh boy, does it suck to buy a house in a competitive market? I will tell you that much. So, in a competitive market, like you you gotta have your toes, your t's, and your eyes crossed. You have to be ready to give an offer in an instant, and in A world where you're like, hmm, I'm a savvy investor. I'm trying to maximize my, you know, tax savings and maximize my efficiency when buying property. You're probably going in to buy property using some sort of tax incentive plan. So the one in Canada we have, it's, you know, our home buyer's plan. Basically, it allows us to use our RSP funds, so our registered retirement savings plan funds. So these are basically dollars we earn from our work or job or whatever that go untaxed. It's somewhat similar to the 401k in the States, but it's not exactly it. So essentially it, the RSP, any money we put it in, it's untaxed completely. And we're allowed, we're not normally allowed to withdraw money from our RSP, except with the home buyer's plan, we can drop to 35 grand and use that to buy our first purchase of the house. Now it can only be our first time purchasing the house. You can't do this plan again, but you can borrow 35 grand from yourself, use those dollars, not pay any taxes on it, and pay it back over 15 years. Honestly, it's like the dream sent program in heaven. So me being an investor, being a savvy investor, if you will, I'm taking advantage of it. I'm taking the 35 grand out of my RSP and using it to buy the house. Now, the biggest surprise is to actually make an offer for a house, an investor needs you to know that you're serious. How do they know you're serious? You put 20 or you put around 5% down. So again, if a house is a million dollars, you put 50 grand into the brokerage's bank accounts. And if the seller accepts your offer, then that fifty grand is now legally binded and you can't pull out of the offer or else you lose your deposit. Now, this is a competitive market thing. A lot of markets don't do this, but... You're taking literally 5% of your money and just putting a deposit just to have an offer for the seller to think you're serious. And here's the catch. That 5% you're putting in your deposit offer, that's not the money in your retirement savings. Remember, to use your retirement savings to buy your first home, you have to use the home buyer's program. And to use the home buyer's program, you need to be in a written agreement. Basically, your written agreement to buy the house, your purchase agreement, needs to be signed and accepted by the seller. But again, now you're seeing the chicken and egg. For the seller to sign and accept your thing, they need to see 5% already in this blind tr- I don't I was about to say blind trust in this lawyer account to know that your funds are ready to be dispersed so essentially me I was going to buy my you know house at 5% now I realize that oh I need an additional 5% just to put on the side to make an offer and then the additional 5% that I have is used to pay the house eventually or pay the down payment eventually and the RRSP money is just basically to take all the money I used to pay for the house and refund my money, essentially. So if you're just scraping by, you just made that 5% to buy a house and it's all in your RSP. guess what? You're going to have a rude wake up surprise because you won't be able to buy anything because you have to put in that deposit offer. Now, of course, every market's not that intense, you know. A lot of markets, if there's only one or two buyers on properties on average, um, there's no such thing really in those markets as a deposit offer. So you don't have to have that extra 5% just ready and willing to be spent. But that is something to keep in mind that you really don't realize until you're ready to make the offer. Like how messed up that is that, right? You're super excited, you see a house you like, you're like, let's make an offer. And then your listing agent is like, okay, perfect. I need 5% in like two days. And then you're like, wait, what? Really? And he's like, yeah. And you're like scrambling, checking all your bank accounts to see if you have 25 grand just sitting on hand in cash. Because like, I mean, what kind of savage does that just has 25 or 50 grand just sitting in cash ready to put an offer down like insanity, insanity. Anyways, that's the second thing that really surprised me. Third thing that really surprised me is you're never really ready to buy a house. Honestly. <laughs> Just like you're probably never really ready to have a baby. You know, it's one of those things that you're like, "Oh yeah, this makes sense. Uh, this makes this makes a lot of sense. Um buying a house, building equity, you know, living in it. But then when you see the the paper that says you're about to go a million dollars in debt, 300,000 in debt, 700,000 in debt. Like whatever your mortgage or your price for houses, when you're locking yourself into a 30-year contract, I'm sorry, like like there's, there's nothing, there's no amount of common sense, no amount of financial forecasting that's going to prepare you for that moment of, oh, now I'm locked into a 30-year contract <laughs> that's obligating me to pay this every month, or is the IRS or CRA is going to come to my house and the bank with baseball bats ready to collect their money, you know. Um, very interesting dynamic. Uh, honestly. And number four thing that really surprised me was in a competitive market, especially every house that's listed is not necessarily listed at its real price. It really surprised me. A house that is worth a million dollars, they can list it at like 700,000 just to get you to walk through it. Right? And then when you go to offer, they're like, oh, actually the price is a million dollars. And this is just, this is common knowledge, you know, which is, which is so weird. I find it's like, what, like, you just want me to get you get in your house that badly that you're ready to like jack up the prices by 10 or 30%. It's insane. Like, how is that even a good like marketing strategy? Like, it's like, all right, my budget is 700,000. You walk into this house and they're like, actually it's a million dollars. They're like, how am I supposed to afford this? Like I'm in a $700,000 price range. But hey, apparently it's a good um it's a good tactic for sellers to do, so that is why they keep doing it. And I'll throw in a bonus one that really surprised me just the when it comes to closing. Um so once your offer is accepted and once like, you know, the buyer says, "Yeah, yeah, I mean the seller says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, let's sell this home to this person." there is like so much between the offer being accepted and closing, whether that's the actual home inspection going through whether that's your lawyer reviewing the documents for the condo or the house or the lawyer reviewing to make sure that there's nothing shady about the title and that you are actually the owner of the house and no one else can claim, have a claim to that property. Um, There's a lot of things that go between you actually being your offer accepted and you actually moving in and closing on your house. Uh, that time period, a lot of a lot of different, a lot of complexities and yeah. But all in all, I'll say this, I think buying a house is an exciting time. And I think it's one of those things that, although clearly not really entrepreneurial at all, it does kind of tickle that entrepreneurial uh, feather a bit. It kind of makes me like, I'm this like, you know, makes me feel like I'm this like really savvy investor and I'm looking at this business and I'm purchasing this business or this asset. Um, It really makes me feel like that. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool feeling, I don't know. But let me know what you guys think. Are you about to enter the housing market? Do you think it's a great time to buy? Me personally, I like the time. It, It feels like a good time to me. Interest rates are as low as ever. Um, In the city I'm buying Toronto, the the condos have been hit a bit, so it's a good time to buy condos. And I think, you know, the market could go on fire for the next five years, especially with inflation rising. Real assets seem like a place to go. And of course, those crazy stock earnings you've received, it's always a decent place to reinvest them in real estate. But let me know, do you think I'm full of it and you think it's actually a terrible investment as always this is fly stewie on the invest uneducated investor Podcast, and we flight crew have to take off